redemption from um, the scripture we have uh, come to an understanding with a number of things and uh, we'd like to uh, continue on with that this morning and studying and we're studying this morning on the subject of sin its real nature what it really is what it really is like the subject of sin and uh, maybe we've triggered someone's uh, thinking at this point um, and uh, someone would have a question right about this uh, place we uh, wound where do we wind up with uh, uh, wrong action in relation to men somewhere around there what sin is okay do we have any question concerning um, uh, that does anybody have any doubt or uh, any uh, thinking that uh, you may need clarified concerning uh, man's nature and what uh, how it manifests concerning sin is sin just a mistake that we make and uh, and we have a guilty conscience because of it what is it Tom Thompson sin is an open rebellion against God and uh, it's in our nature to do that that's a heavy statement it is in our nature to do that okay how can we tell isn't this a social problem that uh, is a is a manifestation of poor people that need to steal to stay alive sir Holy Spirit convicts of our sin that's true Fred yeah well if you do you better get saved <laughs> that's an old uh, theological proposition it comes from a certain group of people and uh, that's a erroneous statement it has to take a lot of theology to bring that into God's revelation brother uh, Bill okay, sin then is uh, there's another heavy statement that sin is a willful transgression of God's law and it reaches into all strata of society both the wealthy and the poor uh, are afflicted by sin okay uh, Dale no man sins because someone made him but we sin by choice not only is it something in our nature but it's something in our will okay very good insight someone else uh, Kathy Okay, not all sin is the uh, is the actual open, uh, but uh, but there are other kinds of sin besides the prominent uh, actions. There are also sins of uh, omission and uh, neglect, and sins of uh, of imagination and uh, and of the mind and of the spirit. Right? Okay. So we find that that uh, some of the more subtle and and the things that are the 
the greatest problem aren't really over to or aren't really uh, outward sins at all but many of them are inward uh, some of the most heinous sins are are inward okay someone else uh, sister Celia okay since Adam sinned he plunged his family into sin and every descendant of Adam has been afflicted with sin it's in their nature and all have sinned and come short of the glory of God and uh, but not only that but we do by choice we're sinners by nature we're sinners by choice okay someone else very good we're getting through to you then that shows me that you're at least uh, digesting some of this I had an article somewhere that I clipped out, who knows how many, uh, how long ago, but a, a psychologist from Stanford University did a little experiment, and he abandoned a 1959 Olds along the curb in a middle-class neighborhood in New York City. And, in, uh, and uh, he, uh, he went across the street uh, in a building, and unbeknownst to those where he could get a good view, he set up a camera and observed what would happen to this abandoned automobile. And in 64 hours, that car had been vandalized and stripped by the thugs, the hoodlums, oh no, everyday Americans. His tentative conclusion was that in offices, schools, and streets, a big city feeling of personal uh, anonymity or not no one recognizing you or knowing who you are encourages destructive behavior it is discouraged by a sense of community an atmosphere in which vandals feel that anyone watching disapproves of what they're doing uh, that was an interesting conclusion didn't by any means exhaust what the problem is because we have the same problem in small town USA right Okay. If anyone ever had the battery stolen out of your car, well, you know what I'm talking about. We've had batteries stolen right out of the parking lot out here. So it can still happen in other places besides Boston, Massachusetts, and New York City, and, and, uh, and so on, right? Okay. Uh, anyone else before we kind of uh, begin to, to uh, lock down on this? Uh, Tom? Yes. Okay. Uh, sin is basically the transgression of God's law. Uh, there's a passage in, uh, in the scripture that deals with that, that sin was manifest uh, before the law. And it's talking about the Ten Commandments given on Sinai. Uh, but sin was operative. But see, the law, what the law was given for was to bring that into, into clear perspective so that we could really, really come to grips with what we really are. See, that's why the law was given. And uh, so, uh, even without the Ten Commandments, there still is sin. And uh, this is uh, in the human heart. Because in every man's heart, there is the knowledge of God. And there's a knowledge of right and wrong. Now, culture and environment over a period of time is able to dull the conscience and able to lead aside. But that does not change what's inside that man as he's born. There's an innate knowledge of right and wrong that's inside of man. There. But 
doing it is something else again. And Paul deals with that in Romans 7, this flesh and the spirit, this contrary, this, this, uh, this terrible uh, struggle between the two people that live inside here. The one that's the, the lower nature and the one that is the upper nature uh, through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. I had another hand back here somewhere. Sister Jan. Oh, excuse it. Deluxe. Favorite. The favorite expression is, look what you made me do. See, this is why uh, uh, every preacher ought to have some kids. This gives you such a tremendous insight into human nature. <laughs> and you'll hear that over and over and over again. Never their fault. It's what those other guys made me do. And then when they get big, these little kids just get big bodies and get jobs and homes and cars and live in the suburbs. Uh, it... it uh, it, it has a little different expression, but the same thing is said. Look what you made me do. And we're hearing that over and over again, aren't we? Sirhan B. Sirhan murdered uh, Robert Kennedy. Murder is a family matter. It's not any such thing. It's a personal uh, transaction uh, of the person in the realm of disobedience and uh, and uh, rebellion. Look what you made me do. Ken? Oh, okay. Someone else had a, one question before. Sister? Yeah, okay. Okay, let's move on for a moment. Uh, I'm not sure exactly... Uh, uh, did we did we come into favoritism, wrong action in relation to men? Did we come into that James two nine? Okay. Did we uh, use the scripture Romans fourteen twenty three, doubtful indulgence? Okay. And uh, did we come into rebellion and murmuring? Numbers twenty one seven. Okay. Uh, this then uh, we want to get. I want someone to get for me Numbers twenty one seven over here, brother Sam. I, in Numbers 21.7, I'd like uh, John 16.8 and 9, uh, Margaret Culver. I'd like Romans 7.15 through 17, Sister Jill, Romans 7.15 through 17, Tom Thompson, uh, Romans 8.7, someone first John 1.8, uh, Danny Brown. Okay, wrong action in relation to the uh, will of God and... Uh, and so uh, this is where we ended, wound up last week at uh, murmuring, Numbers 21-7. One of the... Uh, see, there are many people who pride themselves on not... Uh, they no longer uh, are, uh, uh, are drunkards. They no longer eat dope. They no longer uh, are uh, burglars. But uh, there are other kinds of sins besides burglary and eating dope and drinking whiskey and adultery and fornication and bank robbery. And uh, some of the most uh, uh, covert, uh, some of the, the most subtle uh, operations of human nature are made manifest, and especially as they have to do with God. And one of these is rebellion and murmuring against God. Now listen carefully to what I'm saying. 
Numbers 21 7. Would you, would you read it out loud? Okay, here is a, uh, a case of which there are many in the Old Testament. One of the most common maladies for which Israel was judged was that they, um, uh, they didn't like what, the way God was doing things. And so this manifested in many different ways. You, you remember uh, Aaron and uh, Miriam, and uh, they got mad at Moses, and they said, Moses, uh, we don't have to do things the way you're telling us to do it. And uh, so they began to murmur, and you remember that, that Miriam was stricken with leprosy? You remember that? And uh, Moses prayed for her, and God uh, said, oh, well, I'll heal her because you're praying for her, but she's going to have it seven days. She ought to have it seven days anyway. And so after seven days, he healed it. And then the occasion that we have before us is the murmuring of the serpents when the children of Israel uh, began to rebel against God. And uh, so God sent against them... Uh, fiery serpents began to bite them and they began to die and uh, so Moses uh, 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 interceded for them and here's their confession said we have rebelled against God and against you we've rebelled against God's word we've rebelled against what uh, God is doing see the one of the problems that we have in life is this business of rebellion and uh, we say uh, Rebellion? I'm not, I don't want a rebellion. <laughs> but we start murmuring. What is murmuring anyway? Anybody knows what murmuring is? What? Griping. Did you see what time we got out of church today? <laughs> that guy preached until a quarter to one. Five people got I don't care about five people getting saved. Doesn't he know that we have a schedule? See how loud the PA was today? I told you when they got that infernal machine in there. Murmuring. Murmurs. Complainers. Gripers do not make it with God. That's one of the most prominent sins. You read it all in the New Testament Revelation, and you'll be astounded at over and over again what God says concerning murmuring, concerning complaining, concerning griping. Okay, what that really is, is underneath there is a rebellion against God. We do not want to fit our schedule into what God is doing. I've had people who, who uh, in their own mind, felt they were pillars of the church of God. They pivoted on them. I've seen them get right up in a baptismal service and walk right out. Over and over again. Just, they haven't got time to mess with the baptismal service. Why don't they have a baptismal service every two months? And, and that would be sufficient. We don't, every week we've got a baptismal service. Every week! Had one Wednesday, got one Sunday. How come we can't put all these people into one time? Well, because uh, that's just the way life is, friend. Because we no sooner have a baptismal service on Sunday till somebody comes up out of the congregation and says, I want to be baptized. Could I be baptized Wednesday? I'm going to leave Friday. 
sure can. Are you still with me? Now I'm going to tell you something about those people. They don't they don't last either. See, because God won't put up with that, friend. He despises rebellion as much as he despises witchcraft. And murmurs and gripers. That's what gripers. Gripers, complainers, do not make it with God. And it's rebellion against God. Okay. That's what sin is. See, there are other kinds of sin besides doing drugs. I had hands everywhere going up. Okay, somebody? Uh, Kim? Well, I got a book. If you will come tonight, I'll give it to you. And you can investigate, read all upon it yourself and come to your own conclusion, okay? That's a whole different subject. Okay? And it deals with the very statement that you make. Praise the Lord. God does a lot of things. He puts up with a lot of things. And uh, if it wasn't, uh, see, the easiest way, this is the greatest mystery of the love of God. The easiest thing to do is to just scrape the plate clean and, uh, and wash it nice and start over again. But for some reason, uh, God has... Uh, in love and mercy and grace, he, he, he is pleased to become involved in redemption for these creatures that fight against him, that kick and scream, that hold their breath, that uh, do all kinds of things. One of, the, one of the greatest mysteries to me is, uh, is to watch people that I, would, I give up on. I won't even pray for them. I, I don't have enough faith for them. I see them go... Go lay in the crud, and then they come back, and they go lay in the crud, and then they come back. They go lay in the crud, and when I see them come to the altar, I go somewhere else. Let somebody else pray. I don't have enough faith for them. And I see all of a sudden, pow, man, they get something. I don't know what it is, and they just they just straighten up and go for God. And I say, well, praise the Lord. God don't give up. And I don't want to discourage them. I might I might discourage them by dealing with them. I'd look him in the eye and say, you devil, you're never going to live for God. <laughs> so I don't know. Praise the Lord. So um, uh, it's a good thing I'm not in charge. Smoke them. That's what I do. <laughs> Amen. But uh, I can remember a time or two back along the pathway when God uh, had mercy on my soul. I'm here today because he did. Aren't you glad that salvation is a glorious outpouring of God's grace and mercy? Okay. Unbelief is another one. This is a really, really uh, a heavy rap too. John 16, 8 and 9. Huh? Unbelief of sin because they believe not on me. Uh, I took several young men over to the coast uh, on a quickie trip on Thursday, early Thursday morning. We were back uh, Friday noon. And uh, Thursday night, we uh, came back to Indio, and uh, we were there in a motel, and we had the, the uh, one-eyed box on. I don't have any idea what program is on, because I don't watch enough TV to know. But uh, it was some kind of a, uh, it's supposed to be a classroom situation. And uh, they were dealing with 
And what it honed in on was blasphemy concerning the virgin birth of Jesus Christ. Boy, and we, one had, we had about 30 or 40 seconds, maybe a minute. I said, shut that thing off. I ain't listening to that. It's open blasphemy of unbelief because of sin, rather, because they believe not in me. See, our world is, uh, may go its route, and they may blaspheme the Lord Jesus, and, and etc., but He is the Savior. And I'm going to tell you something. There's never anyone that's going to be saved or can ever be free from guilt or free from the power of sin unless they believe in Jesus Christ. That's the only way. And I'll tell you another little secret. There's no one's ever got saved that continues to use the Lord's name in vain. See, through the years, I've known many people, and they claimed they got saved, and they did it, and they still use the name of the Lord Jesus Christ in vain. I have news for you, friends. You're looking at a dude that got really saved at the age of 25, and I used that name as every other sentence that I spoke. But when I got saved, no problem. It was gone because of my belief in Jesus Christ. Now, it is impossible to believe uh, in that name and, uh, and uh, actually have an experience and still be locked in the guilt and the bondage of sin. But if we do not believe in Jesus Christ, then you will be convicted of sin. That's what the Holy Spirit does. Now, in anyone who witnesses very, uh, very often, and you do very much soul winning or you do very much witnessing, you will run on to people who will give you the rap. See, they'll, they'll say to you, ah, I'm all right. You miserable friend. You got guilt and sin. Oh, who me? I'm listen, man. I'm I got it all together. No, you don't got it all together. You don't show the front up on me, friend. I've been there. Down deep inside, you can have this confidence, soul winner, that God's spirit is dealing with that heart because they do not believe in Jesus Christ. Now, your responsibility is to clearly make manifest that name. See, this is why you hear uh, I don't get turned on. We, we had a film recently, and it was an excellent film. The only problem is, all they did was mention God. See, they missed a glorious opportunity to make that name the name that brought conviction. See, that's the only name that brings conviction to men's hearts. God doesn't bring, because which God are you talking about? Gods there be many. But that name is the name that brings conviction. So your and I our responsibility is to bring that person to whom we're witnessing conviction by the name of Jesus Christ. And God says to you and I that we have the confidence that when we mention Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior who died for men's sin, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of people's hearts. I don't care what kind of front they put on. I don't know how cool they're acting. No, you learn, you, need, you learn quickly not to pay any attention to that. I don't care if they froth at the mouth, get mad, start throwing things, run off screaming down the street. I don't care. Bring that name to bear. Because the scripture says, and we have confidence in this, and I've seen over and over and over again, that, uh, uh, that, uh, uh, it, that it brings home the conviction because they do not believe in him.
And I've known people. Probably one here sitting here. I don't see him here today. No, they're on. They're on their way on the trip. But uh, who said on one Friday night said Mitchell ought to be tarred and feathered and run out of town. But his son just kept that name hammering right in. On Sunday he came and got saved. <laughs> Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Okay, it's a wrong tendency of nature. That's what's in it. Romans seven fifteen through seventeen. Paul is dealing now in Romans 7 with this tremendous principle, this cursed disease, this terrible uh, quality, uh, this principle that, that is inside of man. It, it's it's a deeper than what he does. It reaches beyond the actions and the expression and something that's down inside his chest. And in Romans 7, he talks about wrestling with that, knowing what to do but not doing it. And he says, what it is, is sin that dwells in me. I'll be speaking a little bit in the morning service. And uh, incidentally, that principle of sin does not ever leave the quality of man's nature. But God has another answer, and that's a new nature. Until Jesus comes, you're going to be hassled with the problem and with the tendencies and with the temptation of sin. See, many new converts do not understand this. They get saved. They have a wonderful experience with the Lord. They, be, they, they go out. They genuinely are saved. And, uh, and uh, all of a sudden, they, they, they find that they still have some tendency. Now, listen carefully to me. I'm not excusing your giving in. But they find it has some tendency. And because they still have the tendency, they say, I guess I must not have gotten saved. Well, salvation does not remove the tendency. But it gives an answer to the tendency and a higher power and in the in the new birth and in the new nature received in Jesus Christ. I have the hands everywhere. Jill? Yes. Oh, man is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. is a dirty bird. He is a dirty bird. He's a dirty booger. And he is capable right now of expressing and simply getting saved does not mean that he's gone. See, this is this is a whole business and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna preach somewhat on this in the morning for this whole business and a correct understanding of that will give you an understanding of the Christian life he does not die when you get saved you have the answer to the victory over him you have the answer for the overcoming of him but he's still there for within out of the heart of man proceed what adultery fornications an evil eye blasphemy foolishness pride it's there the old Adam is there He'll be there till Jesus comes. Then thank God. Then thank God. This corruption shall put on incorruption. What God says of that old man that you're talking about is corruption. 
I don't know what the word corruption means to you, but it brings visions of all kinds of things to my mind that aren't very wholesome or appealing or pleasant. Corruption. He's corrupt according to the deceitful lust. Okay, someone else. Praise the Lord. All right, Romans 8, 7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. It is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. And the most dangerous expression of carnality, uh, or, uh, and, and you're dealing actually with the fleshly nature, the carnal nature, is when it gets religious. <laughs> Give me a rank, out-and-out sinner to deal with than a religious person who is not controlled by the Holy Spirit. They're the most cantankerous. They're the meanest. They're the most deceitful people on earth. Give me a sinner every time than a person who is religious but is not saved or is not controlled by the Holy Spirit. That's a whole study in itself. Okay, verse John 1, 8. Wrong tendency of nature. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. It is, it is a tendency of human nature to sin. It is a bias. It is a definite weaning. It is a, uh, it is a disposition to rebel uh, against God and go the way. Okay, so then the Bible then, before we move on from this, recognizes an evil principle within the nature of man which is called sin. It is a bent or a bias toward disobedience and wickedness. Okay, let's deal with the fact of sin for a moment uh, before we move on. And uh, we have several areas that we're not going to spend a lot of time with these because it's uh, fairly basic, but uh, I'd like Brother Bill uh, Trucks of Romans 5.12. Brother Chuck Richards, Ecclesiastes 7.20. Isaiah 6, 5, uh, Stuart, Ron Stewart, Isaiah 6, 5, the fact of sin. Sin is a fact of revelation from the Word of God. It is a fact of observation. You can see it in everyday life. Pick up your newspaper and you'll see sins, manifestations, all its rabid expressions. Whether in politics, whether it's in international dealings, whether it's in the business world, whether it's in family life, whether it's in, uh, in, the, uh, in the society, in the community, pick up your paper, turn on the television, and you pick up a magazine and you'll see as an observation that sin is indeed a fact. It also is a fact of human experience, and anyone who's honest of heart will have to confess that they know what sin is. Okay, Romans 3.23. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned. That word sinned is harmartia, a Greek word that means miss the mark or fall short of the mark. It has the, the idea of an archer that has a target. He pulls it back 
and uh, it's off to a piece, and as he fires the shot, it goes. That's what sin is. Here's God's objective. Here's God's purpose for mankind. Here's God's glorious destiny, beautiful, eternal, and glorious plan that God fires man in creation towards his purpose. And man gets involved with the serpent and goes. And that's where he's been. And except for God's redemptive love and grace in the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary, his eternal destiny is there with the devil and his crowd. And his destiny and fate's already sealed. It's the lake of fire for eternity. And unless God's redemption, God's grace and love is able to reach man where he is and by his own choice. See, man's there by his choice. Then he's going to be there with the devil and his crowd in eternity. Read with the book of Revelation, you'll find out where the devil and his crowd's going. Okay? So we have it. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God or God's purpose or God's direction or, or God's... Uh, what God would have His uh, will for us. Romans 5, 12. All have sinned. A-L-L. -L. Someone comes to you and they said, I'm not a sinner. Learn to quote Scripture because God doesn't use human words. He uses Scripture. The name of Jesus Christ. Do you know what the Bible says? You know, I, I know that you're really sincere, but you know what God's Word says? What? All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous. No, not one. All our righteousness are as filthy rags. There's not a just man on the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Say, I'm a good person. See, I know that you're sincere, but you know what God says about your good works? Your goodness? What does He say? He says, all your righteousness is as filthy rags. Well, that's a filthy, that's a heavy rag. Do you know what God thinks about your righteousness? No, what? He crucified it on Calvary when Jesus stood in your place. That's what God thinks of you. Really? Yep. Every man at his best estate is vanity and vexation of spirit. Okay? Ecclesiastes 7.20 But there is not a just man upon earth that just good and sinneth not. There is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Isaiah 6.5 Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among or dwell among a people of unclean lips. This is our nature in our fallen estate. I have a grandson, 18 months old. He's coming. Uh, he loves to go down in Grandpa's room because down in Grandpa's room, he usually can find laying around on the dresser or in the top drawer some Tic Tacs or some Victors or some Tums or something along that line. And so he is coming 
back up and heading upstairs with his t-shirt. He has his fist doubled up underneath and he's walking up. His mother says, Mark, what have you got under your shirt? Nothing. <laughs> now it's normal, of course, for little boys to walk around with their fist doubled up under their shirt. Nothing. 18 months old. Who taught him how to lie? Don't have to teach him. Knows how. Is a pro. Who taught him how to steal? Theft is selfishness of human nature. You have to teach him. Comes natural. The best of families have produced several. It's in the nature. Lie? You have to teach him to lie. It's in their heart. Take your hand out from under your shirt. Pulls it out. Undoubles his fist. The big old tongue hanging under his shirt. <laughs> See, this is a caricature of human nature. From the very earliest, you'll see sin working in the human heart. If you don't believe it, leave home for three hours and tell the kids. The top left-hand dresser drawer, you kids better stay out of that drawer and don't be in my room. The door will not even quit swinging on the hinges until they have split down to see what it is in that drawer that you don't want to see them, them to see and get into. Are you listening carefully to me? See, that's human nature. Now, if it was just involving tongues or a forbidden drawer, it wouldn't be so bad, but you see, it gets serious. And it manifests itself in all the evils of society and lays its hand upon us and breaks up homes, brings nations to the brink of disaster, destroys lives, creates heartache, wreckage, insanity, disease, ungodliness, harm, defilement, turmoil, frustration, mental anguish, horrible guilt and complexes, and possessions and oppressions. That's the result, and that's the fruit of sin. Okay? All right, let's move on. Let's see. Maybe, maybe we, uh, we, we've got time probably for a couple, three questions if we've honed in on anybody and we've triggered anybody. Anybody have some questions right at that point? Paul? Paul brought an observation which is very uh, potent that in wheat or any vegetable or crop that is beneficial, you have to tend to it, care for it, nourish it, protect it, and, and, uh, and bring it to a full fruition. But weeds, no problem. They grow. All right. This is because the whole creation has been cursed. We're going to deal with that in just a little bit. But... Uh, uh, but if you want, uh, if you want uh, an old milkweed, for instance, man, they grow milkweeds everywhere. But if you want tomato, 
You are in a life and death struggle against the elements. The blight. Amen. The cut worms. Over and under. From every direction. You're attacked. Right? Grasshoppers. All kinds of worms that want to come from the surface and from the soil. That tomatoes attack and you will struggle in a mortal struggle before you get tomatoes from that vine. But in that same garden where fertilizer and water is, weeds abundant. They'll grow over and overtake and the first thing you know you've got a beautiful crop of weeds unless you fight. So that's, a, that's an observation of human nature. Friend? That's to die to expression. Yes. Okay. The old nature doesn't die. And about the time you think you've got it killed, you find it has very much resurrected. <laughs> See? But it, it dies as far as expression. That's what the deadness. You reckon yourselves dead. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Or don't give them expression. Make them as if they did not even live. But the old nature does not die. <laughs> and uh, I could talk with anyone who feels that for about three or four minutes, and I'll convince you uh, that it is not dead. See, I know people who teaches a doctrine that you uh, get sanctified. If you just get sanctified, you have no more problem. The root of sin is gone. Uh, and, and they get along just fine until I cross them about four of volleys across their bow with the scripture and then you'll see that that old man is not nearly as dead as they said it was. They become very upset. <laughs> their temper arises and the, the old man begins to express himself again. He comes to life. Lo and behold, a marvelous miracle has transpired. He's alive all the time. Okay? So the old man never dies. We make him dead by Denying expression. It's very important that you understand that. We do not give him expression. We mortify the deeds of the body. We reckon ourselves dead and, 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 and alive unto God through Jesus Christ. And by our operation of the principle of faith, we deny expression. And he is reckoned dead. But he has never... Uh, that's a bad expression. That old nature is not dead. He never died. He just is not given expression. He's reckoned dead and does not... Allow, uh, allowed to be expressed. That's a good thought, brother. That's true. That's how we get fruit, is by not giving expression. Except a man fall, fall into, the, into the ground, a corner we fall into the ground and die. It's talking about a man yielding himself to the purposes of God for what God wants. And when he does that, he has denied or made dead his own desire, his own life expression. And that's where the fruitful life comes. I'm going to give you a little insight on that in the morning service. Okay? Praise the Lord. That's a good thought. Someone else have a thought or a question right at this point. Okay, let's talk about the extent of sin. And this gives us, uh, this is quite an interesting thought. I need Ephesians 6.11 from somebody over here. Ephesians 6.11. Mark Hamilton. I need Isaiah 14.12 through 15. Isaiah 14, 12 through 15. Randy Foster, I need Luke 10, 18. Uh, Ron Stewart, Luke 10, 18. The heavens have been filled with sin. 
Ephesians 6 11. Put on, uh, uh, read verse 12, brother. Okay. Ephesians 6.12 was the scripture that I wanted and tells us we, we wrestle against principalities and powers. That's just what our warfare is. Spiritual wickedness or wicked spirits in high places or in heavenly places. Okay. Uh, we're going to open it for questions in just a minute, Ken. Isaiah 14.12 through 15. Yes. This reaches back into a time in history concerning Lucifer and his rebellion. There are several companion scriptures that will go with this. And uh, it has to do with his rebellion. It says, How thou art fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. Uh, Luke 10, 18. I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Speaking of that uh, time when the heavens were polluted, and uh, Hebrews tells us that the earthly is cleansed with uh, blood, but the heavens themselves are in need of cleansing, and that's what the blood of Jesus Christ did. Not only earth, but also heaven has received the impact of God's redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ because sin has permeated all of God's creation. That's an interesting thought. Okay? The earth. We want Genesis 3, 17 and 18. Somebody over here. Sam Atkins. Isaiah 55, 13. Brother Paul. Isaiah 55, 13. I want Genesis 9, 1 through 3. Uh, Rob Kennard and Dave Burke, Isaiah 11, 6 through 9. The earth is also received. Uh, the, and there are several companion scriptures. This is not exhaustive. Romans 8 also deals with the corruption for the creature itself, a creature or the earth, the creation of the earth. And uh, all uh, of that, plus uh, uh, possibly bringing into, uh, into relationship the universe, groans and travails in pain until now, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God, or the full uh, plan of redemption to be finished, so that uh, it will be released from the curse that is upon it. You'll find that in Romans 8. Okay, uh, Genesis 3, 17 and 18, loud, clear voice. And to Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened to the voice of thy wife. That's a, that is a really a potent scripture because there we see the social implications of sin. See, it just, uh, it's such an interlocking thing. And uh, he said, Because of that, cursed be the earth. For your sake, thorns and thistles shall it bring forth and you eat uh, or earn rather no longer are you going to pluck from the paradise of God and live 
of my provision, but now you're going to earn, you're going to scratch, you're going to struggle, you're going to fight for survival, and you're going to wrestle your survival from this earth with your own strength. Do you ever uh, wonder why it's hard to make a living? <laughs> now, come on. Don't blink at me like a frog in a hailstorm. I said, do you ever wonder why it's hard to make a living? He said, it looks to me like it ought to be easy. It was easy once. But from that time, there's a curse on the earth. And there's a law at, uh, in operation... Uh, in the earth that uh, that uh, uh, that uh, we're going to we're going to we're going to we'll earn it with the sweat of our brow we'll fight with the elements to survive now man has all kinds of schemes and he gets smoother and smoother you know and, but but uh, if you'll observe life very long you find out that fortunes change you know your star will soar and then all of a sudden man you're back down and uh, with the peons again <laughs> And uh, so he said, I've got it made. I've got this business. I've got this, this money thing beat. And then all of a sudden, something shifts or changes, and uh, you're back out uh, fighting for a living again. Well, that's the story of this earth. And, uh, and, and you can go to Vegas if you want to, but you won't beat it there either. <laughs> you can't beat the game. See, God has, God has brought this curse. And your only hope is to get saved and start living for God. And God's blessing will come upon you. And you'll find that you can beat the wrath. God's blessing will come upon you. And you'll begin to see that two and two no longer makes one. But sometimes it makes ten. Praise the Lord. Okay? I saw several hands that are that. When you start talking about money, people just get really interested. <laughs> Sister May, uh, well, yeah, you're in the whole line of theological uh, concept there. Because if we if we weren't with the sin in the world, if 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 we did not have that battle with sin in the world, we'd be in double trouble. See, but how many of us? Now, you you just. You, you just be honest with yourself. See, this is why that the gospel never does have a lasting impact or any great uh, impact among the wealthy. Because they do not need God. I don't care what the new Hollywood religion is. You just watch it. I've been, I've been saved for a long time. And uh, I see a lot of fads that go and come. I see all kinds of comments that go, and then they just no more. Because... Uh, there's a principle of spirituality, and it's the gospel to the poor. And this is why that, uh, that we are seeing such a tremendous revival, and all of our churches are, because they're reaching the common classes of people. Because those are the people who are open to God. Now, you'll see a few that will have sense enough to serve God uh, with money, but there aren't many. So that principle is incorporated there, Sister Jan, and it's for our benefit that we have this struggle because how many of us got saved because the bottom really was dropped out or we were in a facing that let's see your hands let's see how many of you the rest of you will pray about that the rest of the day and tonight we'll have another service so you'll find a very large percentage of people because of the frustration of the material realm they really came to grip and, and they were open to some, some other answer 
finally came to the end of their rope. This help you any? Okay. I had a good thought there somewhere, but I lost it in all that philosophizing. Oh, I know what I was going to say. That isn't it interesting? We used to pastor up in farm country up in Idaho, and uh, and it just is so interesting this tremendous balance uh, that's in nature. See, nature is like this, and and we cannot beat the rats. See, we have all the fertilizers and all the fancy uh, bug killing drugs and all that stuff. But but a strange thing happens. Now, for instance, they have certain chemicals that that uh, let's say uh, uh, let's say it's uh, uh, beets. Okay, so to protect these beets, they have chemicals that they can spray that beet crop with. Does a tremendous job, boy. I mean, they can grow beets deluxe. But there's another thing happens. Alfalfa and apples and peaches and cherries have never been able to escape the necessity for pollinization that comes from beets. And when you overdose the atmosphere with chemicals, the bees all die. And they've never been able to beat the rat in nature. They can grow a crop or two with these super chemicals, and then all of a sudden, it, uh, and this is what they're running into in Israel, uh, in the, uh, in the uh, Hula Valley, in the Valley of Armageddon, which are the headwaters of the, of the Jordan as they come down into the Sea of Galilee, uh, in a tremendous farming country. I mean, it is just fantastic. It's uh, just right, and they just grow cotton. But uh, that something's happening to the Sea of Galilee, and that is that the chemicals that they're using, they're having to stop because it's going down. It's affecting the fish population. See, nature is balanced together. And so this is why I use all these bands on DDT and, and, and UD4, and I don't know all of the chemical names that they have. And so uh, they, 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 they can chemically, but they cannot control and beat the rap in nature. Because when they win here, they lose here. And so it's, it's finding a balance somehow to keep it all functioning together without destroying ourselves and starving to death because of our genius. That's what I started saying. I lost my thought. Praise the Lord. Isn't that, isn't that strange that God created creation like that? That we're not going to beat the rap. We do not beat the rap. And about the time that we develop all the super fertilizers and the super strains of wheat and corn that we're going to beat the, the famine and the rap in, in the world and, and the fertilizers, then these herbs, those dirty birds get a hold of all the oil and the fertilizer prices are driven so nobody can afford it. Oh my, isn't this world something? Well, on we go. Isaiah 55, 13. Here is the full operation of redemption, and we're looking from back in Genesis 3, 17, 18, uh, to Isaiah 55, 13 in the millennium, and we see the curse lifted and the whole creation receiving the benefits. Genesis 9, 1 through 3. Okay, here we find uh, the operation. We don't have time to expound on this. Even in the, in the animal uh, kingdom, in Isaiah 11, 6 through 9, uh, follows that on through. And I'm, I'm out of time. The Lord bless you. The rushers waving at me frantically, and we'll continue next week.